this morning. Amen? What's that? Cool. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Who's, who's excited about getting into the Word of God? Amen? God, we want to thank you that your Word is living and active. Amen? It is sharper than a double-edged sword. Amen? The Word of God is like a hammer. It smashes things. It breaks things. The Word of God is powerful. We thank you, God, that you take your Word by your Spirit and, you, uh, Lord, you impart it into our lives. You give us that revelation that we need. You give us the understanding that we need. God, we want to see the marriage of the Word and the Spirit come together because, Father, we know that where the Word and the Spirit comes together, there is powerful things that happen in your presence. So, Lord, we continue to say, Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in us, God, we pray today. Have your way in us. Have your way in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, the last two weeks, um, we've been looking at matters of the heart. Amen. Yes. Where the Lord's been um, speaking to us about matters of the heart. And I really just felt this morning to kind of close that thought with these thoughts that he gave me. You know, the Lord is cleansing, the Lord is refining, the Lord is healing his people. For those people that are praying prayers like, Lord, here I am, I need more of you, I desire more of you, or whether you're saying, God, send me, God, have your way with me. When people start praying those kind of prayers, the Spirit of God starts to move in people's lives, and He cleanses, and He heals, and He restores, and He refines. Amen? But this is not just for the sake of it. Because I was thinking, you know, but it's because of His great love for us. And as Brian said before, you know, sometimes you just need a week's rest to get rid of all the clutter in your thinking, to get rid of all the stuff that's going on in your life and you just need to lay back, even if you've been forced to, because you don't have the energy and you just meditate on the goodness and kindness of God. I was thinking about this during the week because I guess we had a wedding coming up and I think about these things and I think about as a father, I speak value into my children until they, until they see it for themselves. That, that, that doesn't mean I stop it, but it's really important as a parent that you speak value into your kids until they see it for themselves. And what I mean by that is that you speak about the gifts. You speak about the, the God in them. You speak about what you see in them. You speak about what God is saying. And you see the value in them. And so you speak that value out until they start to see that value for themselves. Amen? Because the world is full of people who will pull people down. And sometimes our value gets less and less and less. And we struggle to see ourselves. And it has an effect on our relationship with God because we struggle to see ourselves the way that He sees us in Christ. Amen? We struggle with that. We struggle to realize who we actually are. So as a parent, you have to speak value into your kids until they start to value that for themselves. Is there an amen to that? And I was thinking about that. you know. And sometimes as a parent, that means discipline. And I'm not speaking about getting out the iron rod and, and that. But there are consequences. 
There are disciplines. There are things. And, you know, the world, and unfortunately a lot of the church, hates words like discipline because they think it's a religious spirit, but it's not a religious spirit. And I was thinking about during the week about how the Father disciplines us. And maybe there's one person here today going, oh, I don't know about that, Tim. But it says here in Hebrews 12, we know the first couple of verses really well, don't we? Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and every sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And often we kind of tend to stop in those places. But later on in Hebrews 12, it talks about a father disciplining his son. And it goes on in verse 7, it says, Endure suffering as discipline because God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Well, maybe we didn't at the time. But maybe we had a revelation that they're actually looking out for our best. Hopefully. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit that we would share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but it's actually painful. But later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed. The Father loves us so much that sometimes He's refining us, sometimes He's disciplining us, sometimes He just needs to get our attention in life. Amen? But it's because of His goodness, it's because of His love. Because it's the Father heart of God that He doesn't want us just to get through life. And I think we have to understand that. The heart of God is not for us just to get through life. I just want to get through life until that day when I pass and I go to eternity with Him. No, no, no. Eternal life starts now. Eternal life starts from the moment that you encounter Him. This is eternal life that we may know Him. This is eternal. We, we are living because we are spirit. Amen? Our bodies may grow a bit weaker. No, they're getting stronger. Yes. Kind of. I'm kind of hitting 50 soon, so I recognize some things along the way. <laughs> but he doesn't want us just to get through life. He doesn't want you to just make your way through life. It's not... It's, it's not in the Word of God. It's not in His heart. But He wants you to prosper and He wants you to live. And when I say live, I don't mean just live as in live, get, like getting through life, but live, really live. Live the abundant life. Live the full life. Live the life that Christ purchased for you at Calvary. Amen? Live the resurrection power life. Because the same Spirit that lived in Him lives in you. Amen? The issue is our mindset. We need to stop seeing things earthly, but we need to start seeing them heavenly. 
Because we're not earthbound, we're seated with Him in heavenly places. But so often we continue to look at things from an earthly perspective when God is trying to help us to see from a heavenly perspective. And that's why He says, come up here and let me show you. In Colossians chapter 3, we read these from, from verse 1. So if you have been raised with Christ, hands up who has been raised with Christ here. Hands up who's a born-again, spirit-filled believer who's been raised with Christ. Okay? If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Seek the things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see, the battle's in here. So often. Our minds just come back into, into earthly things when God is trying to get our attention and say, I want to show you the heavenly things. Because when you get a taste of something, you don't want to settle for anything else. Is there an amen to that? When you get a taste of the presence of God, you don't want to settle for anything else. When you get a taste of the goodness of God, you don't want to settle for anything else. When you get a taste of the real, you don't want anything else. So we have to learn to live in that holy discontentment where we're living in the now, but longing and hungering for the fullness. But his heart for us is that we wouldn't just live through life, but that we would live from a heavenly perspective. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, I've been hitting in, in and out of Galatians lately. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, this is what we read. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set us free. Don't be enslaved anymore. But this freedom is not an earthly freedom. And I've met people that go, oh, I'm free. And I'm going, no, you're not free. Because you're still bound by the desires of the flesh. We're talking about a heavenly freedom. We're talking about a, a godly freedom. A freedom that is actually you're free because we are to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That is freedom. Nowhere does it say, I'm going to use my freedom to abuse people or to manipulate people or do other stuff to people. That's not freedom. That's the flesh. But rather, He's given us a freedom to live by the Spirit. He's given us every provision to live by the Spirit. And He says, I want you to live by the Spirit. I actually believe, as I was praying this week, and maybe I've said this before, but I actually believe the church needs a fresh revelation of the good news of Jesus Christ. I actually believe the church needs a fresh revelation of the gospel so that we actually lay aside everything of the flesh it is gone, it is no more, and we begin to live by the Spirit. Is there an amen to that? Why settle for anything less? As I said, when you've, when you've had a taste of something, you just want more. Tell me that's not true. If you've even got a plate of food in front of you, and you've tasted something, like last, like last night at the, at the wedding, you had salmon or beef brisket, and that was the two dishes that they just went alternating about was only just a very small group because of all the COVID restrictions and everything. We were just a little small group. But we had beef brisket and salmon. 
And I tasted the beef brisket. I went, wow, that's actually good. It was good. Well, mine was good. I don't know if anyone else was, but I was good. And I'm like, I want some more of that. Doesn't that happen even in the natural? If you taste something and you go, wow, that's really good. I want some more. Until you go, oh, I don't need any more. But isn't that true? I remember, you know, I remember being in America and with Mark and we were over with, um, um, at a Graham Cook thing and we were doing some stuff over there. You know, and there was this worship night and the, and the, the auditorium was filled with 800 people. And they were there just because, well, maybe some of them were there to see Graham Cook. But I think the majority of them were there for Jesus. And we began to worship. And, you know, the worship night went through what I call like, like mountains and calm seas. I don't use the word valley because that's not where we go. It's highest of highs, praises, shouting. And there was just these calm seas where there was just the peace and presence of God. And at times we were kind of running and jumping and praising God. And at times there was 800 people just sprawled on the floor, just prostrate in the presence of God, no one saying anything. 800 people. And three hours later, we realized it was three hours later. And Graham Cook said, I'm not speaking tonight. When you get a taste of those things, you want to see them again. Because that's... God doesn't want just a visitation. He wants a habitation. Is there an amen to that? We're not after a revival that is here for 12 months and disappears. We're, we're after walking in the glory. Oh, shoo. Oh. That's what we're after. Some verses in John 8, verse 32. We talk about freedom. We read in verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He actually said to them, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. I've been meditating on that lately. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. Jesus didn't come for converts, he came for disciples. And we need to do everything that we can to make disciples. Is there an amen to that? If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I don't know about you, but if I look at my walk, it's like you get a revelation of truth, and it sets you free in that area. But then later on, you need a revelation in a different area. And later on, you need another revelation. And later on, you need another revelation. So it's a continual thing. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free in that area. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free in that area. You will know the truth. God is wanting to set his people free. To live in the fullness of his truth. Is there an amen? In verse 36. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Woo! Does anyone get a taste of freedom? Just one person. Wow. This message is really going to go off today. Romans chapter 8. Because we're all, we're all going to be free of everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. 
You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Amen? He hasn't given us fear. He's given us power. He's given us love. He's given us a sound mind. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, with whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And in 2 Corinthians 3, we read this. It's one of Trev's favorite verses. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is what? There is what? There is what? I can't hear you. Come on. Freedom! We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into that same image. From glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Remember the last couple of weeks I've been saying that that the key is to behold Him. Because as you behold Him, you are changed. As you behold the Lord and as you behold His glory, the things that are in there cannot remain there. Behold Him. Behold Him. Come. Come and behold Him. Because when you see the real, you don't want anything else. I really believe that as I was praying that the key verse, the central verse of today is John 10.10. You all know it, or most of you. Oh, this wind. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But, don't you love those but gods? But God, but I, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God, the living Christ, have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. You've heard me say before, the Greek word for that is abundant life. It is a life that is above the common. It is not just getting through life. It is living on a different plane because you are living from heaven. You are not earthbound trying to get to heaven. You are in heaven living on earth. When Jesus is talking about the enemy, stealing, killing and destroying, he's not talking about your furniture. He's not even talking about your car. Although there are people out there that may want to steal your car. He's more concerned about the spiritual things. He's talking about the enemy coming to steal your joy. He's... he's, He's coming and he's talking about the enemy trying to steal your hope, trying to steal your peace. These are the kind of things that the enemy is coming to try and steal from you because if he can steal your joy and your hope and peace, you start to become discouraged and depressed and downhearted. 
The enemy comes to kill. He comes to kill vision. He comes to kill your faith. He comes to kill those things that will just stop you so you won't continue on your walk. You know, Jesus said for the joy, or the Word of God says about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not joyful, but the vision that was set before him, he knew what was coming, that glorious day. If you have a vision, you can walk through stuff. Is that not true? You know what's on the other side. Is that not true? You, you kind of put up with some stuff along the way because you know what's at the other end. But if the enemy can come and he can come and kill that vision, all of a sudden you fall into quicksand and you fall into despondency. That's what he wants to try and kill. And he wants to destroy your connection with Jesus. That's what he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your connection with Jesus because he knows that, he, that if he can destroy your connection with Jesus, you're going to start to wither. These are the kind of things that the enemy is more concerned about rather than your car and your refrigerator and your couch. It's true. Because we can't take any of that stuff with us. That's why Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus came to bring life, abundant life, life above the common. Jesus came to destroy yokes. Jesus came to break patterns and cycles. And the question is, I was, when we were talking with Mark online during the week, there was this question that came up and I thought, wow, that is really valid. And he said, what regular pain is in your body? And he wasn't just talking about your shoulder. He was talking about your emotions. He was talking about, you know, all that kind of stuff as well. What regular pain is in your body? Because the Lord is trying to get your attention. So if there's something that keeps coming up, it keeps coming up, it's a pattern or it's a cycle, the Lord is trying to get your attention. So that if someone says something and, and you react a certain way, it's a pain that's in you, the Lord is trying to get your attention. Whatever it is, the Lord is trying to get your attention. What is he trying to get your attention over? Because this process of the last couple of weeks, and I don't believe it's any coincidence that I had that dream in the early hours of Friday morning when we're talking about the matters of the heart, but not just for the sake of it, but to be a people prepared to walk in his glory. Because that's what the dream was about. The presence and the glory of God just, just coming in such a way that we just fell to the ground and there was tears. The Spirit of God was just setting people free. The last two or three weeks about the matters of the heart is because He loves you so much. He does not want you to walk in anything but freedom. That's what it is. Because there's too many people that carry this around. And it gets heavy. And you might, you might take one thing out, whatever that relates to. No, I'm not losing my salvation. It's wrong mindsets. That's what it is. He wants you to get rid of these wrong mindsets and he wants you to chuck it in the bin. 
Don't live with, 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 with wrong mindsets anymore. Renew your mind with the Word of God and start to get the Word of God into you and live according to heavenly patterns, not earthly ones. A ball. I'm just trying to get a word of knowledge about what this relates to right now. <laughs> yes! Woo! God wants to stop you going round and round in circles. This is called body ministry right here. This is awesome. And maybe you've got an idol in your life that needs to go. What else have I got down here? I, I just randomly chucked these in, by the way. I just was like, after the wedding, I'm like, oh, I need to fill up my backpack. There's a dictionary. Yeah. What of all the words that have been spoken over you by, by the enemy? All the stuff that's been spoken, words, 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 words. You just need the Word of God. So that one can go. Sorry, students, if you're learning how to spell. Um, this is Malachi's first cricket bat. This is pretty cool. It's kind of hard. Like if you kind of get hit with it, it's really hard. Sometimes places in our lives can get hard. Our hearts can get hard. And we start to resist the Holy Spirit even when we don't realize it. This is the last thing. Sometimes we've had patterns in our life that causes us to run from. Religion says I've stuffed up, I need to go and run and hide. God says I want you to run to me. You need to break your patterns. I don't know how many times... Over the last 20 odd years of pastoring, someone goes through something and they go and run and hide. This is not to condemn you. I'm just trying to tell, say that when you go through stuff, people just run and hide. And they even hide from God. And I'm thinking, why would you hide from God? He loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. You have people that are around you in your life, in your circle that are there for you, that are safe people. Find the right people. They are safe people, and you can share with them. The enemy wants to isolate you because when he isolates you, he can take you out. So stop running from and start running to. And maybe we just go like this sometimes. We carry stuff around, hey. We carry stuff around. And you know, sometimes these little periods where you get a bit of forced rest is not so bad. Sometimes to not have energy for a week is not so bad. Because it puts you in a place where you're not just running around from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, but you can sit before your father. 
and you can hear life-giving words from him to you. I want to say that there is a refining, there is a cleansing that is happening. But not just for the sake of it, but to give it, to bring us into freedom. To bring us into a place of maturity. When Jesus said to become like little children, he didn't mean that we carry on in childish ways. It means that we have the faith, we have the trust of a child. I was thinking about last night when Malachi was there and... um, the bridal party were off getting some photos and we were just kind of mingling around waiting. And here was Malachi, just went straight up to the lady with the platter and said, can I have some crackers? But aren't kids like that? Or many kids are like that. They just like, because they're so young, they haven't learned to be afraid. They haven't learned to go, oh, I can't do that. These are things that the world tries to teach us. You can't do that. You can't do that. This won't happen. This won't happen. You can't do that. No, no, no. They just go up and go, can I have some crackers, please? You see, it's a pattern. It's a mindset that the world tries to put on you. And all of a sudden, we become teenagers and we go, I can't speak to that person. Have you ever met a teenager like that? Can you go order that drink? Because I don't want to go up there. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power, dunamis, when my spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. I prefer the translation that says living testimonies in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That is the life. Can I just be just can I just make one statement and then you then you can slap me later? No, you can't. okay Steve, you can slap me. That's all right. The reason that the Lord is highlighting things in people's hearts and lives and when I'm talking about I'm not just talking about us, I'm talking about the width and breadth of the church. Anyone who is listening, the Lord is highlighting these things is because you know what the church doesn't look much different from the world. Is that okay to say that? The way we react, the way we deal with stuff, the way that things go on, we are the head and not the tail. We are living from heaven, not from earth. And we are living testimonies to the goodness and the grace of God. So the Lord, I believe that we are, that he is preparing his people. He is drawing a remnant to himself. I'm going to be a bit bold and pronounce this, or or, uh, not pronounce, declare this today, that the Lord is getting his people ready for a move. That we will see the glory of God. That we will see the things that we've been praying for. That we will see the things that we have been longing for. That we will see probably even more than because he is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his spirit or his power that is at work within us. Amen? 
I believe that he is positioning a remnant. It's not going to be everybody. It's not going to be the whole church. It's not going to be every denomination or every household of faith. It's always about a remnant. A remnant are the ones that kind of are like the match heads, and he just touches them, and he starts to, and he starts the flame to burn. I believe that he's preparing a remnant for himself in these times in the nations. But he's saying, sons and daughters, it's time to deal with that unforgiveness. It's time to deal with that root of bitterness. It's time to deal with that issue when your dad said you are no good for nothing and now every time someone speaks to you, you still hear that voice. It's time to deal with the stuff that's been 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago or last week. It's time to deal with it. It's time to break the patterns. It's time to break the strongholds. It's time to break the circles. It's time to break these things. Because the enemy is trying to steal joy and hope and peace. He's trying to kill faith and vision and he's trying to destroy your connection with Jesus. We didn't get to sing Run to the Father, but I reckon we should just use that one. This is one of my go-to verses at the moment. May the God of hope... Do you know he's a God of hope? Do you need hope in your life? Do you need hope in your circumstances? Do you need hope for your family? Do you need hope? He is the God of hope. He is the source of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What does that look like? Woo! Fill you with all joy. Not just some joy, but all joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. Wow, what does that look like? as you believe. (laughs) So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are called to be hope bearers. And as I've been saying for weeks now, we have an awesome opportunity to be hope bearers in our nation right now we have an awesome opportunity to be hope bearers it says that he may fill you with all hope and all peace all joy and all peace so that you may overflow that's so you don't just have enough hope for yourself that you have enough hope for those people that are around you you overflow with hope you are pressed down you are shaken together and you are overflowing if we had a can of fizzy right here and we shook it like this and we, and we popped the lid, it would just go... That is overflowing. But God is saying, I want you to overflow with my hope. So my prayer is that you wouldn't listen to the lies of the enemy anymore that says you're not loved, you're not accepted, you're not worthy. You're not this, you're not that. My prayer is that you would stop listening to those lies. My prayer is that if the, if the Lord has been tapping you on the shoulder saying it's time to deal with that hurt, it's time to deal with that trauma, it's time to deal with the effects of that event in your life, whether it was last week, five years ago, 20 years ago, that you would just say, Lord, have your way. My prayer is 
that you would let go of all of anything that would hinder you from walking in freedom. My prayer is that you wouldn't run from, but that you would run to. If you want to come down the front, come down the front. I'm feeling a bit soupy down.